entertain? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? And now, the Sleep On Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is episode three. I'm your host, Brandon Staten, a.k.a. Sleep Dog, alongside my man here, Tyler Hansbro, a.k.a. Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? This is the Big Hulk, Big Dog, in the dog pound for episode three. You got a lot of exciting things to talk about. And... Uh, Sleep Dog's going to run through the outline, what we want to discuss, and go over. Yeah, we're going to go through Justin Turner's dumbass uh, getting pulled out of the World Series in the sixth inning and then turning around and going out to celebrate on the field like a moron. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, we've just learned uh, moments ago, breaking news, that he won't play. Not only did he not play today, and Clemson looked shaky, although uh, not due to their offense or the, the guy that came in and replaced him. It was more about their defense, but he's not playing against Notre Dame next week and Notre Dame's top five I think uh so that's a big deal um and then I want to talk about it's Halloween and you know uh some of the Halloween costumes from my past that um you know I was thinking about the other day that just really took me down memory lane so but we're going to get this started on this whole COVID thing because why not uh Justin Turner man what do you think about this guy T well let me get the facts straight so Justin Turner uh World Series um so what happens? He gets pulled in, what, the sixth or seventh inning? And uh, not only did they do an inconclusive test, and then they retested the sample. And so he's confirmed positive. It's not a false positive. Because when it first happened, uh, I was I was talking to my girlfriend, and I said, hey, um, you know, if this was a big stage, and with this stuff going on with testing where there are some false positives, I was like, it'd be tough for me to not stay on the field if I didn't know for sure. So if there was a chance where let's say, Hey, I'm positive, And then I get tested tomorrow and they're like negative, get tested again, negative. Sorry. That was a false positive. Then I think you look at it. I think if you lose that game, then go on to lose a world series. Uh, that would be a big problem with me, but that's not what happened here. Uh, this guy, uh, Tested positive. They retested the sample. Confirmed positive. Was pulled from the game. Told to isolate. Um, and then they win the World Series. Uh, two Major League Baseball officials say, uh, you got to continue isolating. He says, basically says, no, fuck that. I'm going on the field. I'm celebrating. And when I looked at it, I didn't really know what in the hell was going on. But, uh, you know, for me, if this would have been – and me personally, if I was confirmed positive, I would have gone right back to the hotel, stayed away from my teammates, and um, you know, honestly, probably stayed away from my wife too, and figure out what in the hell is going on. Yeah, see, like here's my thing with it, right? It's the World Series. You're an athlete, like you, you, you know, this is obviously what all you know you dream about, of course, right? And I don't really like we talked about a bunch of times like I don't really remember much about whether Justin Turner's cool, not cool, otherwise appears to be a pretty good baseball player, but the thing of it is, man, is to me, this is just so much bigger than all that, you know? Like um me personally, selfishly, like you could never pull I don't care if I'm 
like literally bleeding out from my jugular vein. Like I'm not going to, you're not going to pull me out of the world series. So I see, I appreciate and understand the mentality that, Hey, like, I don't care if I've got COVID, like I'm not coming out, but this is like so much different than that. Right. You're putting like so many other people at risk and it's just sort of, sort of dumb and needless. I understand this whole argument about, you know, the, the low mortality rate. And these guys are all athletes and understandably probably in great shape and all that, all that notwithstanding, it just seemed like a bad look for sure that, you know, especially once it was done, like taking him out of the game is one thing. So that's over. It's done and over with. It's whatever, you know, um, someone else obviously made that call, but then like after the fact you're out on the field, like celebrating, uh, it just seems stupid to me. Uh, I don't know, man. It was just not, um, I mean, how selfish are you? Yeah. Not, let's not talk about the fact that the manager is at high risk. Just be, he had cancer, beat cancer, uh, would be considered in the high risk category. And this guy's taking his mask off, kissing his wife on center stage. And this just like, to me, it kind of represents the divide we have kind of right now in the country where some people aren't taking this COVID stuff serious. Some people are. And, you know, it's just like, you know, how, I mean, what, what is it to you? Like, do you, are you that selfish where you just don't care? And I want to touch on, like, this was poorly done by Major League Baseball. Oh, you yeah. You had a model done by the NBA almost perfectly to the T where they had, I don't think they had a confirmed case inside the bubble. Why in the hell did Major League Baseball not do a bubble? Yeah, I mean, they uh, so they did like this sort of I heard it called somewhere it was a uh, some sort of like some sort of quote unquote bubble that it was but 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 clearly like doing we were talking about this yesterday. The NBA has handled all of the adversity this year. Just I mean, they just are killing it, and and baseball is is predominantly uh, what's the what's the commissioner's name? Um, man, <laughs> I want to say uh, Rob Manfred, right? Like this guy, from all for all intents and purposes, is a disaster. He's been on one of my favorite. Uh, I like I like Levitard a lot, and uh, his um, the Dan Levitard show, man. And he brought he brought him on once and just just lambasted him, man. Asked him all these questions he couldn't answer, and you know he just is not. Um, I mean, I just don't think he's doing a very good job in general, you know, with baseball, but much less managing this. They've done a bad, they've done a really poor job. And I understand how you can't create that same environment, football, baseball, they can't create a bubble like baseball did or like basketball did because of the sheer number of players and staff and everything you have. But at the World Series, playoffs, they could have. Playoffs, they could have. And, and I know with the NBA, is you had to cut staff and you had a select group. I mean, this is part, like, part of, handling COVID is getting uncomfortable and doing things to, to look, to stop the spread, slow the spread. This is what this whole thing is about is stop the spread so we can get over this. And it just seems like how, you know, that is just, I don't care what business you are in. You're a professional athlete, you're a doctor, you're a first responder, you're somebody that works at the grocery store. Like these are this, this is something that applies to everybody Every status situation is we should be on the same team as to slow the spread. And that just that just is an enabler to people who look up to Justin Turner and not taking this COVID stuff serious. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know if any other players will um, we'll get COVID or test positive, but it'll be uh, – unfortunately, we'll have to find out uh, with all this, you know, lack of knowledge we know is you could be – 
uh, asymptomatic for a while and then pop up. And that's the thing is it hits everybody different. What Justin Turner felt on the field looks like he wasn't feeling anything, but who knows that doesn't, you know, it hits everybody different. And that's a frustrating thing to me is uh, just the entitlement he felt to go out on the field. Yeah. And you hope it's an overreaction, right? I mean, you hope that all this shit we're saying is like total bullshit and there's nothing wrong and like no one gets sick and it was totally an overreaction. But the fact of the matter is, is this shit's just not fair. Like, you know what I mean? Like not, and I don't mean not fair that Justin Turner did this. I mean, it's not fair to Justin Turner that, he got this and couldn't participate in the World Series, but that's just the way it is, man. It's not fair to a fucking two hundred some thousand people that are dead. It's yeah. just you got to like deal with it. It's real world stuff, man. Like, what if this dude had gone out on the way to the game and tripped and broken his leg? Like, that wouldn't be fair either. But he wouldn't have played then because he couldn't nope. have. And, and, and you know, I'll tell you as an athlete, it's not about the celebration. It's about the season. Everything you went to go through. Nobody wins the World Series. Oh, I just want to win the World Series. I want to win. A championships just so I can celebrate afterwards you know I mean you're still I mean he's a huge part of the Dodgers uh you know I think a lot of people would have looked up to him if he did the right thing and also for his his lack of apology or just so like still not take it as serious to me is I'm just sitting here I'm like I, I'm I'm I don't know what the word is I guess I'm flabbergasted by you know his lack of uh you know, empathy, really. Empathy, or it's just amazing. I'll be interested to see what Major League Baseball does because uh, this is going to set a standard because standard for a lot of things to come. You know, who knows what's going to happen if COVID will still be around for the next baseball season, and we'll see what players do if they get to COVID in the regular season. Hey, no, screw it. I'm just you know, you guys didn't punish Turner. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, would this guy have gone out and celebrated with his team if they beat the Marlins in uh, you know a regular season game? Like, and look, I get it. It's the World Series, man. But but to your point, like. Man, I'm a World Series champion. Like I can celebrate for the rest of my life. Um, you know, there's nothing like that moment. There's all these things. I get it. I totally get it. But like, I mean, there's there are there are these, some of these guys that miss the birth of their child for a game. And you mean to tell me this guy couldn't live with uh, not running on the field and taking pictures for you know half an hour because you know he's he, he might get other people sick? Yeah, I'm with you, man. I just don't buy it. Uh, not a good look for baseball. Not a good look for him. And hopefully they uh, you know handle it accordingly. What what would you do punishment wise? Man, he's got to get suspended. Easy. That's easy. You know, suspend him next year. And then you got to find the guy. You know, I was, I was saying yesterday, like, you should take his whole postseason check. I mean, if you want to be serious about it, they're not going to do that. I mean, that's, that's over the top. But I mean, dude, this is like a bad look. And you got to come down. And you haven't heard anything else about it after that. Yeah. And I've heard, you know, uh, I think Major League Baseball does need to do an investigation and, and give the the fans some type of answer to this because a lot of people, they may lose some fans over this because uh, COVID has hit a lot of people different ways and a lot of people have lost uh, loved ones because of this. And uh, we'll see how they react. But if it was up to me, at first I said I'd suspend them for half a season and then I'd come down with a harsh fine for the Dodgers, maybe take a draft pick. Um, but I think uh, – I don't know what will happen. It seemed like when I said that, I thought I was being pretty harsh, but some people are like, no, he should be done for the year. Yeah. And see, the reason they're not going to do anything harsh is because they're, they, baseball has the benefit now of, Hey, their season's over. They can, they can roll the dice that this, that this uh, virus will be long gone. 
There's also by the time next season starts, there's also uh, you know the very high likelihood that um, you know no one's going to get sick. So there, there's a lot of a lot of uh, like if you're going to risk you know blowback here, there are a lot of things that could chips that could fall your way that allow you to dodge the bullet if you're baseball. And I don't think I don't think they do anything to the guy. I mean, I see something. I could see him getting a a twenty five thousand dollar fine and a three game suspension or something that's like a slap on the wrist. Meanwhile, when Joe Kelly, the pitcher, uh, I think he was with the Dodgers, right? Like stuck his tongue out at somebody or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they, they rack this guy for eight games and he becomes a cult hero because he's awesome, right? But yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I think. The, the punishment needs to fit the crime and I think the crime here is uh, is worse than a lot of people are acknowledging yeah and baseball's getting I mean let's not sit here I mean this is the most coverage we've had on baseball uh, and it's our episode three and what we talked about episode one is how <laughs> you know baseball has a dying audience as far as what I mean by that is like they have an audience that just like they're losing their audience. Nobody sits around and watch baseball games. Nobody watches regular season games. Why? Because they're boring. It's boring. Like it's boring as hell. Let's be honest. Sleepball worldwide is saving baseball. Yeah. And so this is the this is the most talk baseball's got on pretty the airways is this idiot running around with COVID and uh, becoming basically a asymptomatic super spreader. Hopefully not, but we'll see what happens. So let's turn over to something that I do. I, I actually really admire. This is a great, great segue into the Trevor Lawrence thing, right? So, so on one hand, Trevor Lawrence was very outspoken at the beginning of the year as to why they should be able to play. Trevor Lawrence is is a uh, you know, quarterback for Clemson, probably widely regarded as the best player in college football. He's an awesome player. Uh, Clemson, and you know, uh, is is the top team in the country. They struggled today against Boston College, but they won without him there. And you know, on one hand, you're sort of like, uh, all right, you know, you were so outspoken, and now you have it. So there's that side of it. But you know, Trevor Lawrence, I don't care how popular, if you know this. Being, you know, when you were in college, mm-hmm. you're like top basketball player. You're still, however old Tyler or however old Trevor Lawrence is. I mean, you're still 19, 20, 21 years old. You have a, a huge voice that you probably aren't fully mature enough to necessarily understand the the consequences of sometimes. So I don't blame Trevor Lawrence for coming out and being very vocal about wanting to play. Well, now he's got COVID, and it's my and and their next game next week. We just found out earlier today against Notre Dame, top five opponent. Uh, that really is going to determine who probably is in the uh, number one spot for the ACC as well as, you know, nationally ranking, uh, you know, uh, for the college football playoff. And they, they're not going to play him next week. Now, I don't know all of the, you know, all the ins and outs of why they're not, you know, hopefully he's not, you know, in bad shape. Hopefully he's not very sick and that's why. But it seems like, at least from what I know now, that Clemson has done the exact opposite. They say, you know what, man, we really want our the best player in the country to play in a biggest game of the year, but we got to do the right thing here. So it sounds to me like they're trying to do the right thing. Yeah, and I respect that. Uh, you know, it's a hard decision, but it's probably the right decision. Uh, you know, one thing is like you can do all the right things and still get COVID, uh, take all the precautions. And one thing I do respect is that, hey, he got the virus um, and he's doing the right things. He's doing what the university tells him. And, you know, just like everybody else, we have to deal with it in these ways. And uh, obviously he was a big voice speaking up uh, about, hey, I want to play, I want to play, which there's nothing wrong with that. I'd want to play too. Um, but if I got the virus, I'd do all the right things. And, and when I got COVID, I'd, I'd deal with it. It looks like that's what he's doing. Uh, I, what I heard is he has mild symptoms, which is, 
you know, hopefully he continues to get better, and we'll see him back out there again. Because I, to be honest with him, if UNC plays Clemson, I'm not sure if they're on the schedule or not. But no, they don't. I, I don't want any excuses. But I want, we're going to play him in yeah. the ACC championship yeah, game. I want Trevor stated. Lawrence healthy. I don't want any excuses. So hopefully, uh, I hope he gets well soon. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's again. Yeah, I think they're doing the right thing. I think that um, you know, I think that they could beat. I mean, despite the way they look today, they looked a little ragged, but they looked ragged on defense. Um, you know, they had this. It's Clemson. Clemson and Alabama are the two teams I think in my lifetime that it's just like I don't really even know who some of these guys are. They just churn them out of the dirt, and they're just insane talented players and so you know they 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 played well uh you know boston college you know they almost beat unc uh, or they played well against unc and played well against clemson i think boston college is a pretty i think they were three and two going in maybe four and two so you know i mean not a bad opponent they were at home there's twenty thousand people there you know speaking of super sprinter event man. yeah but, yeah, let's uh, talk about hey we're gonna have these games let's make sure we do all the precautions we're all on the same page i mean uh, let's just talk real quick in why in the why is the NCA? Why don't they have one like standard? Is it see this all the time? In the NCA is like, oh, the Big Ten's doing this, but the ACC's doing this and that, and like the Pac Ten's. They're they're not even going to do it. Let's. Why can't we all get on the same damn page? Like, hey, if you get COVID, here's a protocol. I saw in the Big Ten, like if you get COVID, you're done for 21 days. What if you're totally asymptomatic and you're over it in six days and you're fine to go back, but you got to wait these extra 14 days just to make sure you're okay. And then the ACC, you get COVID once you return some negative tests and you get right back into play. Like the NCA, this, I mean, it's such a joke at some points and some of the things they do, you just laugh and there's really no good answer. And they know that. Um, so why, why in the hell are we not on the same page with this? Uh, why don't we have medical experts directing the whole uh, college football uh, scene so we could get some type of standard and some type of uh, level playing field? Yeah, with the government, it's one thing. Like, you know, regardless of which side of the aisle you're on in this whole political debate, like the government is one thing. Like the government is always, I don't give a damn, like what's going on, like they're a cluster, right? But I mean, you're talking about medical, like like universities are the breeding ground for medical experts. Like UNC, we we we're, we're privileged to live in an area where we got UNC, we got Duke, we got all these ECU and all these like even Wake Forest, like all these places have extraordinary scholars in, in the world of medicine, and all these schools outside of North Carolina do too. Like you would think that somebody could say, "Hey, look, here's here's a good idea." Right here, if if this happens, we should do this, and and it's pretty easy to implement. I mean, just like. You know, even if it's lip service, Jesus Christ. But yeah, nobody seems that's. I think that's the whole thing, like globally, especially nationally, with this, this this virus, is that everybody has their own interpretation of how serious it is, uh, and no one is willing to say like, "All right, let's." Uh, <laughs> you know, let's just agree to some terms here. And yeah. uh, if, if, if X happens, we will react with Y. You know, here's the thing. When this virus start, first popped up, uh, I'll be the first to admit. I mean, I was on every news station reading it. I was on the Internet. I was like, oh, no. And i tell you what, it gave me more anxiety than probably. I had more anxiety probably than what actually COVID would actually give me. So, uh you know, when we come to when it comes to this, hey, you know, if you're uh, like me and you sit around, you you think you're a medical expert and you read all these articles, then you realize, hey, these articles aren't written by doctors; they're written by people who have the same medical expertise as me, which is none. 
And then they're in my head. And every time I cough or every time I blow my nose, I think I have COVID. And <laughs> I mean, we're at a tricky, I mean, it's starting to get uh, sniffle season coming around the corner. And now everybody's going to be like, what in the hell do I have? Allergies on top of COVID? Oh, no, it's, it's just allergies. It's not COVID. So let's get like, you think about all the schools involved. There would be so many doctors that would be willing to give advice, be helpful, and set a game plan for all the NCA. But no, the NCA doesn't do that. They sit around and they like everything else they run. It's just a cluster, and uh, you know we'd like to have something, uh, some protocol that puts it at a level field. Like you see in the NFL, they have their protocols. Every team does the same thing, but not in college sports. Not not in college football. You have. You know, if you get COVID, you're done for the year or you get COVID, you're done for a week and then you get back into play or you sit for 21 days and then you come back into play. I tell you one thing they they're they're damn sure about, which is, uh, you know, they definitely have a, pan, a plan for not paying players. And that's something that, you know, uh, for, for those of you guys out there listening, you know, I know our audience is small right now. We appreciate the support that we've gotten so far. But one of the things that we're sort of building up here is, a, is a, you know, Tyler's very passionate about the topic of, uh, of whether or not you know college athletes should be paid and we were lining up some some really influential people that are, have a, have really strong voices in that argument so that's something to look forward to as we go through it you know the sentiment for the NCAA is what it is it's not, I don't think anybody is looking to the NCAA for you know ways to uh, to govern any body of people um, but you get it unfortunately like the way they're handling this is like um, you know it's very similar to the way they handle other other large problems which is a sort of uh, you know um, a distant sort of, you know, not very noteworthy uh, uh, approach. So, yeah, I watch a lot of sports talk. I haven't seen NCA come out and say this is what we're going to do that happens. And it'd be nice, like you know, we talk about, uh, you know, players feel like you know sometimes when they play and you see all these coaches making all this money, they feel like they get taken advantage of. And you know, I'm, I'm listen. We're going to talk about. Um, college athletes, whether they should be paid or not. We're going to have a lot of guests on, and we're going to do a big section on it, and we're going to really cover it in detail because I think that's a hot topic, and I think it's going to continue to be a hot topic. And uh, there's a lot of, like, for some weird reason, there's a lot of passion against paying players and seeking reimbursement. But we'll talk about that, and I'd love to hear you guys' opinions on that. Hit us in the DMs. Hit us up on Twitter, whatever. We actually got a Sleepwalk Worldwide Twitter account going. Uh, if uh, anybody our age uh, or older hits that up, I know the young crew, they don't even – they probably can't spell Twitter. Yeah, we don't have a Snapchat, it, it, so that's a problem. Snapchat or whatever it's called. I have to get my girlfriend <laughs> to show me how to use that. But uh, Yeah, at SleepHawkWW on Twitter, at SleepHawk Worldwide on Instagram. We even have a website, which I didn't realize was still a thing. But, hey, that's where we post a lot of our new episodes. Our, uh, our feed goes through there. You can download this podcast on uh, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Uh, we figured out a lot of that. We're, we're slowly working through the sound quality here. Um, you know, so, so we're coming along, but, but basically one of the things that we've been discussing, you know, a lot offline is, you know, when do we start actually trying to leverage some of the connections that we have to come on and have some more in-depth, uh, conversations with people, you know, Tyler matters, but I don't. And with some people that, you know, you actually give a shit about hearing from. And that's why, you know, we're sort of, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we build a following so that the people that come in here don't leave and say, you know, um, what was that all about? Yeah. We're working out some kinks here, guys. We're, 
we're figuring out the audio. We're figuring out how to record. And then we're going to get some good guests on here. Don't worry. We're going to have everybody on here. You know, from Roy Williams to Blake Shelton to... Uh, MJ. You yeah. know it's going to happen. Michael Jordan might come on. Uh, Caitlin Collins. This is a good story. Okay. So anybody that's out there that watches the news, uh, Caitlin Collins is a, a, a political... She's a White House correspondent. For CNN, she used to work for Fox News, so she's very balanced, covers the thing. I mean, I shot my shot at Caitlin Collins in her um, DMs, and she answered me. And that's huge. I mean, like, she literally had to see my message, uh, acknowledge that... I was going to both see that she saw it if she said, okay, like accepted my messages. Not only did she do that, but she responded. And I mean, I'm just saying that, that, uh, that's, that's, that's some big league shit to be honest. I mean, that's what sleep dog does. I mean, all he needs is just somebody to crack the door and that fucking thing's coming down. Uh, and that's what happened. I think she, she saw the message, thought it was funny, clicked on your page and I think that's when she hit accept. Yeah, she's engaged. I think for, uh, from what I've uh, you know may or may not have done a substantial amount of investigative journalism on uh, understanding you know what she's got going on in her personal life. But you know when I was in high school, we talked about it. You know I think a couple episodes ago, my standing on my basketball team. I was a worst player, worst team, state of North Carolina. Um, but there was one thing that coach used to tell me. He was like, "Son, when you get off the bus, you're in range. Shoot your shot." And that's just that's just the code I live by. Shoot or shoot, and uh, it's always it's not whether you make it or not. It's called next shot. Uh, short memory, uh, you know what was it? Kobe got sixty in his last game. I don't yeah. know how many shot attempts he had, but about sixty. It was about sixty. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a great story too. I was telling beforehand. Anybody that knows me from like back in back in the day, I gotta I gotta. You know, I got to divert some of this serious bullshit about COVID back to my high school days, man, because I think you're going to appreciate this story. So, dude, I, it's hard to overstate like how much I sucked at basketball. But when I was a kid, man, I was very good at baseball. That was the first thing when I was six years old. Like I knew I was good at baseball. I tried playing other sports. I was always terrible at them. When I moved to North Carolina, I, was, I moved there in the seventh grade and I had no friends. I didn't know anyone. It was a very sort of like, you know, I'm going into like, I guess like this puberty stage of life where you start to become like a, you know, you leave being a child and start, you know, the very, very early stage of becoming a man. So when I show up, man, I got all my friends from back home are gone like I'm all by myself man and the only thing that I could ever do alone was play basketball and probably the one thing I was most proud of is man I just worked and worked and worked and played basketball play basketball play basketball so when I went in in, in 1998 was my freshman year of high school it was the first year our high school ever existed so literally it had just opened up right and 90% of the students in our high school were freshmen and sophomores what was your mascot the cougar Apropos, right? The Croatan Cougars, right? And so um, we, we, I was, I'm from a place like down on the coast of North Carolina on the Outer Banks, pretty affluent sort of place. So the high school was super nice. We had all these, like, it was a beautiful place on, a, on the, like, on the water. Our, our high school was on this beautiful plot of land and all this stuff. We had all these great resources, right? But when you are in high school and you only have freshmen and sophomores, and you engage in athletic af- activities where varsity teams typically consist largely of juniors and seniors, you are so far outclassed, dude. So my freshman year of high school, I made the varsity team. I tend to leave out that entire backstory that I just shared with the audience and just tell them, yeah, I was on varsity. Yeah, Sleep was on varsity. MJ was uh, freshman team. So Yeah, I mean, MJ uh, is sleep a sophomore. Was I mean, yeah, so that's, a, that's one up on Sleep. Fact of the matter. Yeah, that's actually, I never really looked at it that way. So um, first year, 
we like go. We talked about you know earlier podcast. Sleep has a switch, and when it came to tryouts, he got a little nervous freshman year. Flip, flipped it, and went right to work. And they said, "Get this guy." On I varsity. remember the dish that got me on the team, dude. My man John Felton, top of the key, cut to the hole. I made a bounce pass between two guys. This was the only guy on our team that was any good. Uh, he finished. I look back. Coach was impressed. I definitely got the twelfth spot on the roster. Uh, we were one in twenty-one that year. We were one in twenty-one. The Rebuild one, year. the one game we won. Uh, I never touched the floor except during warmups, but. So I developed a cult following, dude. All right. So in high school, our, our, our students knew we were just dog shit, right? That we were just going to get the floor mopped every night. So what, what did the student body do? They just turned out and just every time we, anything positive happened, they just went nuts, right? So Wallace Rosehill, Croatan Cougars versus the Wallace Rosehill. I think they were the Bulldogs or some shit. I don't remember what game it was, but they were like top in our conference. There's 12 teams in our conference and we're at home. Fans are going nuts, right? So my man, John, the same guy I just mentioned that I made that pass to, he's the best player on the team. He's a two-guard. I'm a two-guard because I'm a shooter. I mean, shooter, shoot. Mm -hmm. And they play the two-guard. So, John, this is like there's a minute left in the first half, and we are in the game. Like, we are literally down three points. Um. No, we were down two points, actually. I remember this. So we're down two points against Wallace Rose Hill, one of the best. And we are – Easily in the top one percentile of worst teams in the state of North Carolina. Okay, but I'm 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 giving this guy a spell before the half. Right, uh, our point guard gets a steal and they find your boy on the wing. Okay, and I just drain a three from the corner and the place is just going insane the first basket i ever made in my entire life okay in high school everybody's going nuts and i am just i'm lit dude i am floating down the court okay there so we are now ahead because we're down to brandon hits a three not only is it a three it's a meaningful three we're lead we're about to lead this team going into the half right Then we steal. We get a steal. Our point guard steals it, and he hits me back in the exact same spot, and I am literally on an island. There is no one within 20 feet of me. I am wide open in the corner, and I just, I mean, I I am just born to shoot. I shoot this ball. It clips the back corner of the backboard and goes out of bounds. Mm. And that's, you know, just as quickly as it started was how quickly it ended. I think I had seven points on the season. I think we lost that game by at least 20. Um, But, man, I'm telling you, for about, like, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds, dude, I was the greatest player that ever lived. And and, and then um, I think I was even, like, number 23. Who the hell did y'all beat? The Cougar Can Tigers. We Cougars? beat uh, – <laughs> who did we beat? We beat Southwest Onslow. You remember uh, – The JV team. Yeah, no, man. Hey, we beat Southwest Onslow, which if, if any of you Tar Heels are out there, man, you remember a guy named Kendrick Burney. He was a fantastic safety on our team, man. We beat Southwest Onslow. It was unreal. Uh, they, they, they could – we beat them. This is a funny story about that game. We beat them 44 to 43 <laughs> – Okay, real barn burner. And here's what happened: we uh, one of our uh, one of our juniors, which was a senior in our book, got fouled with no time left on the clock. Games tied forty three forty three. This dude's going to the line because they and they call timeout to ice him. Of course, mm. Tommy Green. If you're out there, he's a Duke fan. I can't believe he actually made the shot. But uh, Tommy comes in the huddle, and the co- our coach is just like, our whole team doesn't know what the fuck to do. You know, we're about to win. We got mm-hmm. two shots at this. 
And Tommy just walks over. They're trying to huddle, and Tommy won't even walk in the huddle. He's just he's like, I got it. I got it. So Tommy goes out on the line, first shot. He nicks, literally nicks the front of the net. Like, it's so short that it barely hits anything. And we're just like, dude, because we, we know if we go to overtime, it's over. There's no chance. You know, we're so demoralized. So then they call timeout again and ice him. And he's in there, and we're just like, man, like the whole demeanor has changed. And to Tommy's credit, man, he just filled it up, the second one. And you would have thought, I mean, speaking of winning the World Series, you would have thought we won the Super Bowl, the World Series, the Grand Prix, the damn FIFA World Cup. You would have thought we won all of them at the same time. Had COVID, they would have been celebrating oh, yeah. out on the hey, court. Hey, Justin Turner, man, yeah, uh, Justin changed Turner, my mind. You had a field day out there. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, man, I got a lot of good stories about my, uh, my high school career that are all um, – you know, self-deprecating and, and, uh, you know, we'll get into some of those along the way, but turned a lot of offers down. I mean, I did, I did. I mean, I was a highly recruited, uh, cross country runner. True story. Um, not true at all, but, uh, football played football in the eighth grade football team. We scored two touchdowns all season, but guess who had one of them? Number 80 wide receiver, cornerback linebacker, uh, probably the damn kicker. I don't even remember. I played everything. Uh, I had one of them. The other one was an 80 yard quarterback sneak. Uh, we, um, man, just so many good stories I could go into. So the same thing about that freshman year, um, in high school, we had homecoming football. So, so I true. So I played football in eighth grade and I, I was like, dude, we literally scored two touchdowns all season and got drubbed every game. I'll tell you, you could have played for UNC when I was in school. Yeah, I could have played for UNC when I was in school too. I mean, I probably could have been. I mean, our buddy Cam was the quarterback. I was probably better than he was. It's hard to throw it to yourself though. Yeah, it is. That's true. That's Uh, true. We would have, I don't know what position quarterback or wide receiver would have been tough, but we could have used you. The, (laughs) the, uh, the best part, and then we'll get off of Brandon Staten's high school (laughs) career is, uh, so we had a homecoming game. My freshman, remember, we don't have the school just open. We have a homecoming game and nobody to come home to it, right? I don't understand why I do that. And we played Clinton High School. Okay, Clinton High School, for those of you that don't know, is a school out in the countryside in North Carolina. They had a running back by the name of Willie Parker, who went on to play at UNC, didn't really like it here, and also went on to become the Super Bowl MVP. How, how do you do that? How do you just not play much in college and like the – NFL MVP candidate. That's your boy, John Bunny. I mean, he was a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, Willie Parker won a Super Bowl. Fast Willie. All right. And and so, but here's the thing, dude. We play these guys. And I did not play football because I knew better. I was mm-hmm. like, dude, I'm not going out there and getting in a car accident seven times a Friday. Right. <laughs> and so, so I ran across country. And that's another story for another day. Um, and we lost to Clinton 70 to nothing. Okay, I bet Willie Parker is still running down the field against the Croatan Cougars. Then, the very next week, we play Richlands High School, and they have Mario Williams. They beat us 54 to nothing, dude. We lost 124 to nothing in two consecutive games, and then people just couldn't understand why. They, they, they literally were trying to recruit. And when I say recruit me, I mean it's because I had a pulse. And, you know, they were trying to recruit every athlete or anybody that, I mean, there are dudes now that have probably been in prison for three or four years for doing crystal meth that they were trying to recruit onto our football team just so we would have a chance to even, like, maybe score. And then, you know, later we, 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 we obviously, as, as we finally put some people 
on the field that were more than like 14 years old that could actually drive to the game. You know, we had a chance every now and then, but dude, my first early years of high school playing sports, dude was crazy. I mean, we were bad at a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's always like, I never know. I've never knew how this feel felt or what the fuck. Uh, I never knew how this, uh, how this feels, but if you're a bench player and the, and the game's out of like out of hand, it's either you guys are way down or way up. And the crowd starts chanting your name. Like, how do you take that as a player? Like, how, I mean, like, no, 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 man, fuck that. I want to play when it's meaningful or, like, when the crowd starts, like, put them in, put them in. <laughs> Buddy, when I knew, I knew, see, dude, I knew <laughs> when it was, when they were calling for me, it was meaningful to me. And I just went out there and I was like, you know what, I'm going to give them what they came to see. They honestly didn't give a shit if we won. They knew yeah. we were going to lose. What they wanted to see was me. Yeah. Right. So I would just like go out there and just, I mean, and if you pass me the ball, but you weren't getting it back. Nope. I'm telling you, like, uh-uh. I'm Shoot shooting shoot, all day long. And then, I mean, I mean, it's like me in the post. That's true, dude. I, pa- I padded many a man's uh, late game rebounding stats and that, that like, dude, we, we, I, man, so many great stories. I mean, we were playing a team one time. Our coach was in there. Just, he was like, he literally, our coach told us he was cheering for the other team. Yeah, it was like Wes Miller one time. Uh, he was like, hey, uh, when I pass in the post, sometimes I come around and get a little open for a three. And I said, hey, you better run to that front of the rim. I said, there's a chance I might miss it. That's the only way you're touching that ball. It ain't coming back out, buddy. You threw it down oh, to the big man. dog down the post. It's a black hole. Anything is not coming back out. It's That's like a right. damn vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, hundred percent, right dude. And I remember, man, like I would go in there and like, I mean, at first, my freshman year, I would like, I get the ball, and I was just classically terrified, right? I get the ball, and I was like, how do I get rid of this motherfucker, like as fast as I can? And uh, you know, so and, and of course, it's like blood in the water. These other athletic seniors, like they know, they're like, dude, when that guy gets the ball, we're gonna put like a the five five-man trap on this dude and he'll freak out and um and, and this is like this is one of the other greatest like stories so that to cap that freshman year we played in the playoffs everybody makes the playoffs right is it or the conference tournament i think is so um a game before or earlier a game earlier man that same dude best player on our team who i play behind sprains his ankle Dude, I mean, the whole medical staff, they're helping him off the field. I think there was like the ambulance was there and all this sort of shit. First game of the tournament, dude, I sprained my ankle and I'm on the opposite end of the court from the bench. And I mean, I know it's bad shape, dude. I try to stand up. I'm never, uh, I'm like, dude, I can't walk on this thing, dude. I don't know what I've done. And so I just kind of sit back down, you know, just waiting on some people to come help me. And everybody's like, I mean, it's just like, I don't even, I'm like, I'm invisible. I mean, I'll never forget just, one leg pogo sticking all the way across it's the like court. Paul Pierce in the finals. What was it against LA? Where you know he couldn't walk and wheelchair his ass yeah. into the locker room, and all of a sudden you see him running out, and the whole stadium, the garden, Boston just went. It just erupted. Yeah. And I remember in college after that game, uh, Celtics won or something. I remember going downstairs and we we're all playing beer pong. And everyone is acting like they got hurt. And then they walk back in through like Paul Pierce. And then they shoot the ping pong ball. <laughs> well, two things. I was hurt. My coach told me, like, I didn't get a wheelchair or any of that shit. My coach told me to just tie my shoe tighter. And I don't know if I ever saw the court again the rest of the season, which was the last game of the year. You know what they say the best thing for a sprained ankle is? And this is from my dad, who's an orthopedic surgeon. He said the best thing you can do for a sprained ankle is get right back on it. Mm, yeah, well, um, all right. 
but yeah, I uh, fortunately it was the last game, and 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 I mean my sophomore year I, I exploded. I probably my freshman year I think I scored seven points. My sophomore year I probably upped that total by I probably scored thirty points on the year, something like that. Um, you know I was a force to be reckoned with in the late minutes, and then uh, that's where my basketball career kind of ended, and and uh, you know life just took off. But um, yeah, Focus man, on his studies. I did, yeah, a lot hard. Uh, so anyway, you know, um, I do. Little known fact, still have one year of college eligibility left. So, Roy, when you come on, you know, if you mm-hmm. need a shooter, you never know, man. I mean, look, you ever see that movie on Disney, The Rookie? Man, that guy was like 45 years old and came in as a relief pitcher for the Rays. I mean, I could be the Chris Winkie of the 2020 Tar Heels, man. I mean, they say Kurt Warner was filling bags of groceries. He was day. filling bags of groceries. I'll, I'll hop on an online class. I'll, I'll hop over there to Friday Center, sign up for an online class, and just start filling it up from the – from the wing. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. You say the season's going to go well. So my, my, I probably, so I'm just, I won't need you this season. I probably needed it last year, but you know, I didn't, I mean, I want, like I said, man, I want to play meaningful minutes at my stage of my career. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll tackle it that way. Um, it's Halloween and, um, it's eight seventeen here Eastern time. I think that means that UNC is probably up about three touchdowns on Virginia right now. But man, one of the things I wanted to get into and tell me if you want to uh, not talk about this, but I was just getting nostalgic earlier about some of the best Halloween costumes from when I was a kid. Um, I'm very curious. How tall were you when you were like 10 years old? Sure. Uh, actually, I don't think I was that tall when I was 10. I remember I grew um, from my eighth to ninth grade summer, like four or five inches. That's where it really took a toll on me. But no, nah, ten. I was just a little bit above average. What did you? What were you for Halloween? Like, what was some of your costumes when you were a kid? And did you get like? I mean, when I was a kid, man, like I lived in a cul-de-sac in a neighborhood, and like, like when you think Stranger Things, anybody that's ever seen Stranger Things, like that was my childhood. Those toys, that period of time, like all that shit, man. I I got some legendary costumes. Yeah, I, I can't really remember. God, um, dude. Man, do it, there it was so bad. I just remember I had probably the best neighbor growing up, Pepper. And when it came <laughs> Halloween, my dad was a health freak. We didn't eat candy uh, at my place. I never had a soda until I was like in high school. But um, my dad, I remember Halloween, we always used to be like, all right, Pepper's going to hook us up with some candy. Pepper and his wife. And we used to walk down there and knock on his door. And he'd have a whole package i mean you had everything i mean reese's butterfingers milky ways snickers uh starburst kit kat skittles uh ho-hos ding dongs <laughs> long dongs uh long strong dong <laughs> but uh i mean and i mean it just made up for the whole year and uh that's the only thing i really took away from halloween besides my costume in college where i took my uh massive I had to wear when I broke my nose, and I wore that out, and I told everybody I was a Phantom of the Opera, <laughs> and that was pretty bad. <laughs> oh, man, dude. I remember uh, my youngest days, man, my grandma actually made a costume that got handed down from year to year, and I had to be a clown two, <laughs> two, two years in a row, and I literally got... I literally had pictures of me just like bawling my eyes out from having to be this clown. And, um, I was a, uh, we used to race to the doorbell. So I had this kid that lived across the street from me who grew up to be a cop and he grew up to be like a super troopers cop. God, I hope his mom doesn't ever listen to this, (laughs) but, um, 
Man, this dude was like my roll dog. This dude was, I mean, he's a, I, I, I hope he's still doing well. I haven't talked to him in years. But uh, I'll never forget, dude, we used to race up to the doorbell because that was our thing was like who got to ring the doorbell. Um, and uh, this dude showed up one time and he, he was a little on the heavy side, right? And I was always, his name was Jeffrey. And uh, this this neighbor walked out and he had like this bowl, right? And it was all this, like, you know, these little fucking fun size bullshit candies, you know, that nobody wants. Mm-hmm. But he also had, like, a, like a full size, like, little Debbie thing in there that I don't really understand why it was that, why it was even in the bowl. But it's like a bowl full of small candy. And then, like, one, like, big candy that you feel like, hey, that's the house's candy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> dude, as soon as this dude opened the door and stuck his bowl out, man, Jeffrey saw them big ass zebra cakes and he just snatched. He's like, I don't want that one and threw them in his bag and took off running and the dude looked at me he was like felt like he was uh, he felt so sorry for me because all that was left was a bunch of bullshit like you know the econ little, size yeah exactly man the fun size that ain't that fun so this dude just I'll never forget <laughs> man he just took two fistfuls of that stuff and like just dropped it in my bag and I was like damn dude I'm a real winner here we had some dude in our neighborhood do you ever have anybody that used to give you pennies Mm-mm. no we had a we had this old dude and and they used to give us pennies and take our picture which <laughs> I don't think that shit would fly in 2020 but uh in hindsight I mean I still can remember this guy's face and I I don't really want to. I mean our parents were there, you know, so I mean if this dude was up to something nefarious maybe uh you know, I feel like my parents might have might acknowledge it, but they were like, "Well, damn, 10 cents, 10 cents, you know." Yeah, and you know with COVID, uh I think we're all like if all the kids are like, "Damn, I just want to take a treat." And, you know, if you're one of these people that are handing out gluten-free, uh, dairy-free, soy-free, like, health bars to these young kids, get out of here. Dude. Uh, get out of here. Get them, the, get them the econ, the, what is it, the when you get there, like, not the regular size Butterfinger. The king the, size. The king size. Yeah, yeah. king size them. Get these like kids. King size these kids. They've been through enough. Yeah, get off They've your been ass. Isolated. Go to Costco. Them, get a sixty count box of Butterfingers and give the kids the real thing, man. Give them a soda. Give them the hell. I mean, give their parents an airplane bottle for running their ass around all night. I remember that was the other thing. Is so that's the other thing. When you were a kid in my era. The the costumes were shit, man. They were like put the and you had those like plastic masks mm-hmm. with a little rubber band sort of string around them. And man, you'd get three houses into trick or treating, and I mean, you just your face is just sweltering, man. It's like the damn like you're in damn Nepal. Uh, is a rainforest. Just you growing a mustache, and you're six years old. Things so hot. One of my favorite Halloween stories is I was trick or treating with some of my friends, and I knock on the door, and uh, the guy looks at me and goes. You're a little big to be trick or treating, aren't you? <laughs> and that was the last time I went trick or treating. And uh, now one of my other, uh, this isn't a really good story, but this is kind of funny. Well, it's a good story. It's, just, I mean, some someone might take it the wrong way, but uh, my brother's here. Greg will remember this, but we had this cat PJ, <laughs> and it was a black cat. And every Halloween, we used to put it in the garage. And because we didn't want anybody to mess with our black cat and, you know, it's like the Halloween staple and we just wanted to put him up because we really cared about PJ. And I remember one time it was on the top of the, the, the van or something that one of my parents was driving and the garage went up and when it got up, the cat tail got stuck in the garage (laughs) and my mom pulled out and we didn't see the cat. And so PJ was hanging by her tail and just screaming and we couldn't hear it 
And so we get there, and my neighbor tells my dad, he said, man, you guys got a hell of a Halloween decoration with the the garage. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, the hanging cat. It's just squealing. I said, he said, that's not a damn, that's PJ. And so... We had to go get PJ and set him down, but that was that was. I'm not a cat person. All right, PJ. But PJ was a one of the best cats. Like it, it was amazing cat. Dude, we used to have cats when I was a kid, and we had one named um, I whatever. I don't even remember his name, but he's he brought a live bird in the house. Um, cats were cats are. See, I feel like too back when I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, like you could leave your cat outside and it was just a thing, right? Now everybody's like got cats they keep indoors and they buy them all these toys and treat them like people. Like when I was a kid, man, we had like three or four cats that would just come around, you know. And yeah, um, yeah, that sucker. I remember one time we let that cat in the house and he had a bird in his mouth and and, and then we were like, hey, wait, you got to take that back outside. And right about the time that bird just started flying around in our house and we we're like, oh shit, how are we gonna get rid of this thing yeah pj pj's like that you know pj it, it we wouldn't see it for three or four days and all of a sudden old pj comes around and start purring and just jump up right next to me and just lay right next to me but every once in a while I'd bring a bird home and it would be like it would be like hey look i got a medal like it's this is my trophy and john like no pj put that thing down <laughs> Oh man, so yeah, it's kind of a bummer. These kids now—they don't get Halloween tonight. Um, you know, don't worry, kids. When you're older, like you can you can spend it doing a, a a podcast or something like that. Anything else you want to talk about before we go? No, that's not. But hey, we're gonna be doing a DraftKings special, a little group. All the listeners get in there. It's gonna be like twenty bucks. Uh, I'm not sure how we're gonna divide the money. I'm sure the DraftKings will do that. Not an endorsement for DraftKings, but we'd love to see uh, you guys in on uh, NFL fantasy football. So. Yeah, we're going to get that set up. I've already looked into it. One of the things about DraftKings is you have to predetermine the spaces as well as the the, uh, the buy-ins. So uh, basically what we're going to do is start out with a smaller group of people, probably set the buy-in about 20 bucks, something like that, so everybody can join in. We'll determine the payouts. Everything will be real clear. We'll share all the details on our website or on uh, Instagram or whatever. We'll shoot a video, let you guys know what's going on. But just figured it would be a cool way to engage and keep, uh, keep some folks... Um, you know, interested in what we got going on here and a way to just pass the time, quite frankly, and probably about the only way we're going to earn any money doing this for the foreseeable future. Uh, but anyway, we are signing off because we got to get down the road to uh, our boy Jean-Claude Van Dan's house. Our buddy Cam is probably three sheets to the wind. We got to go check in on him. Uh, we'll probably be at Waffle House in Durham in about, I don't know, three, four hours, uh, knowing Cam uh, and the waffle walk that we discussed yeah, in the first episode. Yeah, then we'll be self-isolating for the next 14 so there's a lot of these slew, slew of these things coming your way appreciate you guys listening uh go heels hopefully you're up about three touchdowns by now but we're about to find out